I've got two readings this morning. Uh, The first reading is from Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not hand me over to the desire of my foes. For false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Our second reading is Matthew 26, verses 36 to 46. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. 
This is God's word. Thanks both. Um, My name's Ben. I'm on the staff here. Let's pray as we come to God's word. Father, you are a wonderful and glorious God. And we see in these verses wonderful things, wonderful truths about you. Would you use this time to cause us to delight in you so that we have confidence in the day of trouble? In Jesus' name, amen. In the hard times of life, sometimes we need not just the facts to help us through, but a reassuring presence with us as we go through trials. See, knowing that the best way forward is great, isn't it? But even better than that is knowing someone else who knows the way forward and who's prepared to walk with us. Uh, through it. That's better by far. I remember when I was about 16 or 17, I was particularly anxious about something, really quite upset, and and had a couple of sleepless nights, still no idea what to do, until eventually, when I couldn't sort of shake off my anxiety, my parents said to me, I think it's time to call Tim. Now, Tim was my youth leader at the time, and as soon as he heard, he got me round to his house, and uh, we sat on his comfy sofas and we had some food together and we chatted and we prayed. I guess I was there for about five or six hours. It was long enough for my mum to then text me and say, please do not outstay your welcome. So I guess it was, you know, it was a reasonable amount of time. But I went back from Tim's house feeling completely and utterly different about the situation, refreshed and reassured. Now Tim's advice to me was helpful. Uh, it really did help me at the time. But that's not my abiding memory from that, that moment. It's the joy of being with him in his house. It's the confidence that I received from knowing Tim and being with him more so than what he said to me. Being at his place was the thing that reassured me and gave me confidence because I was with him. Well, in the psalm we've just read, David, who wrote it, sees that the Lord is able to help him. And that gives him incredible confidence in the face of his enemies. But more than that, knowing the Lord himself intimately is what gives him the deepest confidence when he's facing trials. Perhaps you've found yourself here today and you're facing deep pain yourself because of a situation in your life. It might be the loss of a loved one or an unexpected diagnosis. It might be the pain of the past, or it might be fears for the future. And it's all too obvious, as we were just praying at the moment, we live in a broken world, don't we? It seems a bit relentless at the moment. And in a broken world, all of us will suffer, if not now, then at some point in our lives. And David gets our pain. So here he describes how he's surrounded by people who are trying to hunt him down and kill him. But even through that, he tells us that confidence can be found by seeking the Lord. And he shows us as he seeks the Lord in the day of trouble. And by the end of the psalm, verse 14, have a look down, he says, wait for the Lord. He calls us to wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. We're going to see by the end what that means. So this morning, firstly, David tells us, confidence is found by seeking the Lord. And secondly, to seek the Lord in times of trouble. So first off, confidence is found by seeking the Lord. Verses 1 to 6. David's incredible confidence in the face of his enemies is rooted in knowing the Lord. So look at verse 1 with me. Look at verse 1. Page 557. He says, the Lord is my light 
The one who dispels darkness. The one who brings clarity and order. That's who the Lord is. He says, the Lord is my salvation. The one who's going to deliver him from danger. And he says, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. He's a refuge against threats. He's a barrier between David and his pursuers. And knowing a God like this means, he says, the end of verse 1, whom shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? And as we read the next verses, verses 2 and 3, we realise that David's confidence isn't mere optimism. This isn't the bravery of a man who's never seen a battle. But it's a confidence in the Lord that's been tried and tested again and again and again. One particular time, uh, King Saul was pursuing David. He was hunting him down. He actually got really, really close. So Saul's men were pressing in on him and they were around this mountain, chasing each other around this mountain. And David's been forced to run for his life. And he's exhausted, but he knows if he stops, he's going to get killed. It's certain death for him. And just at the moment, the very moment when Saul was breathing down his neck, the moment when he was just coming into arrow range, if you like, that very last second, the Lord, his light, his salvation, his stronghold, he caused Saul to be called away. And so he delivered David from his enemies. That's the kind of confidence that David has. And that's the sort of thing he means in verse 2. Foes rise against me to devour me. Literally, that phrase means... uh, foes come against me to eat up my flesh it's or tear me limb from limb something like that and not all of us will have felt that personally some of us maybe but not all of us but that doesn't make it irrelevant in fact it shows us that the lord has resources above and beyond our needs to save us and we can call on him no matter how badly life is falling down about our ears well look, even in the face of all that David confidently says, verse 3, Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Even then I will be confident. When everything is broken, I'll be cool, calm and collected, he says. In fact, he's got so much confidence in God as his light, his salvation, his stronghold. He's bold enough to say, in verse uh, 2, When they come against me, it's my enemies who will stumble and fall. Not me, they're going to fall. But you see, it's not just knowing the facts about the Lord which brings him through. Now, it's important. We need to know who God is, and we need to know what kind of God he is. But ultimately, what brings him through the trials of life is seeking intimacy with the Lord. And we see that in verse 4. See, above all other things, the one thing David wants most is intimacy with the Almighty. Look down at how he expresses that in verses 4 to 6. He says, I long to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. He wants to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. He wants to seek him in his temple. That is to to pursue the delight he finds in the Lord. He wants to know him. You see, the Lord who brings David through the trials is not merely a source of salvation. But he's the delight of his heart. He's not just his shield but he's also his treasure. The Lord's house, verse 4, his sacred tent. That's where his covenant presence, his special loving presence with his people is on display for everyone to see. So in other words, if you want to meet God back then, you had to go to this certain place to know him. And so David knows that to dwell in the Lord's house means that he can be with God 24-7 always in his presence, always worshipping him. There he can gaze upon his beauty. 
his wonderful salvation, his unfailing goodness, his love which never runs out, and he can do that for all the days of his life. Do you see what he says in verse 5? He knows that there in the presence of the Lord, God will keep him safe. He'll hide him. He'll shelter him. He'll set him high upon a rock. The security and safety he finds in God's presence, as well as the delight he takes in the Lord, means that he seeks time in God's house above all other things. The delight of his heart, his light, his salvation, his stronghold, well, you know he'll see him through. And that's why he has such confidence and fearlessness in the face of his enemies. See, David renews his faith in God's house, and it gives him confidence in the Lord as his shelter, his light, salvation, stronghold in times of trouble. So David finds confidence in the Lord, not only because he is able to help, but because the Lord's loving presence brings delight to his heart. God willing, later this year, we'll be going to Germany on holiday, so I've been brushing up on my German. Um, I'll give you a quick lesson for free. I won't charge you for this, don't worry. There's two words in German uh, for the word to know in English. So there's the word uh, wissen, um, which means uh, to know a fact about something. Um, and then, uh, like, if someone said, did you know Andy Murray won Wimbledon this year? I'd say, yeah, we're wissen, we know. But there's another word for to know in German, which is kennen, which is to know a person. Now, I know that Andy Murray is six foot three, much like myself. I know that his record for, for this, uh, this season is 40 wins and six losses, but I don't know Andy Murray. I know things about him, but I don't know him. Maybe one day I will, but right now, I don't. There's a difference between things we know and, and, and people we know, if you like. Well, for David, it's the same. He's not just got, got out a textbook and cognitively understood that God is in charge and so he must be a saviour and a stronghold in some way. No. David knows God himself, not just stuff about him. It's really important, as we said, to know who God is. But we know that best by knowing him personally. And wonderfully, in Jesus Christ, we do know God personally and intimately. And how much more then can we, who have the greatest refuge in Jesus, have an even greater confidence in the day of trial? You see, the Bible tells us, a thousand years after David, Jesus Christ, God's son, came to earth and made his dwelling among us. Jesus made the outrageous claim that he could raise the destroyed temple in three days. Outrageous because the temple he was referring to wasn't a big building in Jerusalem. No, it was his own body. He's saying that the meeting place between us and God is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. So rather than in a temple, in a building, not in a church building like this, but in Jesus Christ, we meet God. And through him, we have unhindered access 24-7 to the loving presence of the Lord. The Lord is always with us to shelter us and keep us safe in the day of trouble. Even in this life, we see it in part. But one day we'll see it fully as we spend eternity with him. Let's dwell on that for a second. For now, what confidence can we have? We can have more than David did. As one Bible writer says, if God is for us, which he is, and we know that, just look at the cross. If God is for us, who can be against us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or danger, or nakedness, or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 
In Jesus Christ, we have every confidence that God is our light, our salvation, and our stronghold. And through Jesus, we know that the Lord himself is present with us through the power of his Holy Spirit. Whom then shall we fear? Doesn't that bring us confidence? So in this psalm particularly, David, the Lord's servant, he suffers uh, specifically because of the enemies of God's people who pursue him. But, and and we, uh, we suffer similarly as we ask, uh, as, we, as we seek to live for Jesus in a world that hates him. But you see, making the Lord the one whom we seek above all others, the one in whom we delight above all others, and the one in whom alone we find salvation and refuge, well, that can give us real confidence when facing trials of all kinds. It seems like the world has gone bonkers, doesn't it? The last few weeks, every day, there seems to be a new threat to security, a new extremist group attacking innocent civilians. It's very easy to turn on the TV or refresh the news page and genuinely fear what we're going to see. The instability of our world can be really unsettling at times, can't it? And it's, it's easy to worry what kind of trajectory we're on with those things. But what about in our own hearts as well? It, it's so easy to grow anxious about our future or the future of our children. What kind of world will they grow up in? What legacy will we leave behind them? Will it be good enough? I guess so much of our anxious toil is driven by a fear of achieving something meaningful in our time, whether it's a plaque on a wall or money in a bank account or a life changed. And to do that before our time in this world ends. But ultimately our fears stem from the final great enemy, death itself. And we'll all face him one day. Can we even dare to have confidence here? Well, David's example shows us that, yes, yes, we can. As we seek the Lord as our supreme delight, the only one in whom we find salvation, we can be confident that even standing against the greatest of enemies, death himself. You see, in Jesus Christ, we have unhindered access to God's loving presence. And as we trust in his death and resurrection, we have a guarantee that one day we too will gaze on the beauty of the Lord in heaven forever. And as we do, our confidence grows. He is our shelter. He sets us high upon a rock. Even on the day of death, he will keep us safe. So then why should we fear when the world is turned upside down? Why should we fear the uncertainty of our futures? The Lord himself is our light and our salvation, our stronghold. So we sang earlier, when facing death, I need not fear. I have this hope secure. But rather than seeking the Lord, sometimes we can misplace our confidence, can't we? And seek other things in life to subdue our fears, as, as we said in our confession. I guess when we're young or we're gifted or we're wealthy, the world is our oyster. And in those moments, it's very easy to bury and suppress our fears by living life at 100 miles an hour. But what happens when our confidence fails us? We know it will someday. There's nothing in this world that can see us safely through the final day of trouble. For those of us here this morning who wouldn't call ourselves Christians, let let me gently ask you, where else can we find such confidence? How does this grounded confidence compare with anything else we could put our trust in? You see, Jesus is worth seeking above all other things because Jesus 
The man witness to conquer death offers us confidence now, which means we don't need to be afraid of death. If we seek him and put our trust in him, in his death and resurrection, he will keep us safe through the day of death and to bring us into God's eternal dwelling. But this confidence isn't just for this life, it's forever. One day, all who trust in Jesus will gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, his wonderful salvation, his unfailing goodness, his love, which never runs out forever and ever. And then, nothing we now fear will be able to touch us. As we stand in the Lord's loving presence, he will set us high upon a rock. What a wonderful day that's going to be. So David longs for the day when he can remain in God's presence forever. That gives him confidence. And how much more then can we, who through Jesus Christ stand in God's presence all the days of our life, and one day, face to face in eternity, have an even greater confidence. You see, confidence is found by seeking the Lord. But it is important to recognise we're not there just yet. We will know comfort in this life as we seek God, but that doesn't mean the problems simply go away. And that's certainly true of David in the rest of the psalm. And secondly then, we see David calls us to seek him in the day of trouble. Verses 7 to 12. Seek him in the day of trouble. See, what David models to us here is, when the answers and solutions don't come, keep on seeking the Lord. Just keep on seeking the Lord. There's a definite change of tone in these verses. Did you notice that as we read it? I look down at verse 7. In the second half of this psalm, David turns from, from statements about God into prayers to God. He turns from confidently affirming who God is to desperately praying to him. It's not that his confidence has disappeared. It's not that he's just given up on believing it. But, but now, faced with a fresh trial, he's trying to apply those truths to his current circumstances. And I guess we know what that feels like, don't we? Our souls are so often uh, moved from comfort in one moment to, to worry in the next as a new trial arises. It's easier to have confidence in God when things are going well, isn't it? But suddenly when we're made redundant or illness strikes unexpectedly, the temptation comes to abandon that confidence. But you see, David doesn't do that. David doesn't abandon his confidence in the Lord. He responds with faith and not unbelief. And he goes on seeking and he goes on seeking and he goes on seeking. Let's see how he models that in these verses. Have a look at verse 7 with me. See how he pleads to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. He keeps crying out. He knows that God is his light, his salvation and his stronghold. No matter what distance he feels between them in moments of darkness. Verse 8, he's resolved to seek the Lord. Your face, Lord, I will seek. As his circumstances changed, he's not pushed away from God. He's drawn even closer closer to intimacy with the Lord rather than being driven away by all that's going on around him. I guess it's often in these darker times, we'll know this, some of us, that when all is stripped away, that's when we seek the Lord all the more desperately because we realise how much we really need him. So David goes on seeking the Lord and as he does that, he's thrown back onto the truth that he knows about God in the midst of his turmoil. Verse 9, he knows that he deserves to be turned away in anger but he also knows that the Lord is his helper he says to him 
Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You've been my helper. You've always been right there for me. Don't turn back on me now. Seeking the Lord has given him a solid foundation of what God's character is like. And that's what he's leaning on now in the day of trouble. So as David earnestly seeks God's face, he knows that the Lord won't hide from him, but he will make himself known. He is confident that even in the trials, the Lord won't ask for our love and then withhold his own. And so he petitions God, you've been right there for me, don't turn your back on me now, please. And all the while confident that he will not turn his back. He knows just how faithful God is. He knows God is his helper. In verse 10, he knows that even when the closest earthly relations abandon him, the Lord never will. Look down with me. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. The Lord will adopt him as his own child. And finally, he petitions God in verses 11 and 12. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Keep me walking with you. Deliver me from my enemies. He's a seeker who goes on seeking the Lord, even as he's falsely accused, even as things get worse. Having sought the Lord and having delighted in him intimately, David now has confidence that the Lord will remain faithful in the day of trouble. Well, centuries later, one of David's descendants was also thrown before a mock trial of false witnesses and malicious accusations. And just as his ancestor has done, Jesus Christ models to us what it is to seek the Lord when surrounded by enemies. Just cast your minds back to the reading that Sharon gave us. Before his betrayal, Jesus earnestly sought the face of the Lord in the Garden of Gethsemane, didn't he? And he pleaded with him and pleaded with him to take the cup of God's fury away so that he didn't have to drink it. And even then, as he sweat drops of blood in anguish, Jesus was thrown back on the truth that he knows. You see, as God's son, Jesus had enjoyed intimacy of the deepest kind with his Father in heaven from before the beginning of time. And now in the garden, he knows even amidst the anguish and the turmoil in his soul, the Lord is good. And that his will is the best way. Doesn't it take astonishing confidence for a man on death row to pray, not my will but yours be done? During his trial, false witnesses rose up against Jesus, spouting all sorts of malicious accusations. But Jesus didn't retaliate or turn away from the Lord in fear. But he resolutely trusted God to vindicate him and not leave him dead and buried in the grave. Jesus walked to his death, still trusting that the temple would be raised in three days' time. Even in the face of such agony, rejected and forsaken by everyone, Jesus trusted the Lord as his helper. Having sought the Lord, Jesus knew that he would hear his cry and answer him. And as verse 13 puts it, this dying man could remain confident of this. He would again see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's astonishing confidence, isn't it? And yet he trusts in the Lord because he knows him. Well, in our trials then, we too can remain confident. If Jesus Christ found the Lord trustworthy as he hung on a cross, surely we too can follow in his footsteps 
seeking and going on seeking the Lord in our trials too. Three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead. He did, in fact, see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living once again. And that's a sure sign that we too can have confidence. No matter how severely we're rejected and forsaken by those around us, no matter how turbulent our life circumstances are, we too can wait for the Lord. Because Jesus' resurrection is a sign to us that we too, as we trust in him, will be raised from death. We will conquer the final enemy. And we will see the goodness of the Lord. So as we come to close, as we come to look to the Lord through Jesus Christ, we will be reassured of his character and given confidence that he is able to help us. So what does it mean then? Verse 14, David says to the whole congregation of God's people, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. What does that mean? Well, through the whole psalm that we've read, David's been showing us Waiting on the Lord is a trust which seeks and goes on seeking God in dependence. Waiting for the Lord is a trust which seeks and goes on seeking God with dependence. Waiting for the Lord is is knowing him intimately so that even when the trials come, we have every confidence that he is our light, he is our salvation, he is our stronghold. David and Jesus as well waited for the Lord as they sought him, as they petitioned him in prayer, as they stood firm in the knowledge that he would deliver them, no matter what the circumstances looked like. Jesus and David waited for the Lord as they remained confident that they would see the goodness of the Lord as they persevered through trials, and that one day they would gaze upon the beauty of the Lord in his presence forever. So just as David encourages all God's people. Let's encourage one another. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. And as we've seen, that's not a keep calm and carry on British stiff upper lip of baseless optimism. But it's a real confidence which comes through seeking the Lord, knowing that he is our helper, our shelter, our stronghold and our light in the midst of trial. Back when I was a teenager, it was being in Tim's home having him right there that gave me real confidence. And as we face trials like David, wait for the Lord. Bring yourself to him. Delight in him. Know confidently what kind of God he is. It will be hard. And we don't know how long we'll need to wait. But we see in the life of David, in the life of Jesus, we will see the goodness of the Lord. Not just in this life, in small ways, but ultimately as we stand in the beauty of his presence forever. Will you be strong, take heart, and wait for the Lord? Let's pray together as we close. Our Father God, we thank you for showing us in Jesus Christ that you are our light and salvation. We thank you that through him and by the power of your spirit, we have 24-7 access to you even now. And Lord, we confess our hearts are burdened with many things, many trials. Would you so help us to delight in you, so give us confidence in who you are, that we're able to stand in those trials until the day when you bring us to stand in your presence forever and gaze upon your beauty for all the days of our life. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.